0: Thinking three again. Missed one a few moments ago. There it is. And down it goes for his first NBA hoop.
1: Like, I don't call it today. You know, I just
0: made it rain. Hold me back, fam. A
1: below average three-point shooter. There's Simmons.
0: I got 50 biscuits. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Pick Swap podcast. Uh, a little bit later today than normal. We're starting a little bit later. The, it's already The sun's already going down. It's that time of the year. Again, it's been like negative 15 degrees every time I get out of the house. It's, it feels like it's been terrible, but uh, the Sixers are in full swing. We're back in action today. Uh, I'm here with Sean e. B. What's up, Sean?
1: Yeah, and uh, personal news. Uh, the college career of soccer is officially over, so I can more properly put my focus toward can... my career and pick up basketball. So things are good here. <laughs> things are good here. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah man, I, uh, I recently tied in an intramural basketball game. I didn't know you could do oh. that. Uh, pretty disappointing end, but yeah, it's uh yeah. the pickup basketball world is is one of those that you once you enter, I don't think you ever leave.
1: Oh, yeah. I've had I my toes a, on the edge, had my toes on the edge for a while. I'm ready to go full swing.
0: Yeah. Well, I wish you a very long uh, and healthy career in your <laughs> <laughs> in your pickup basketball. Um. So let's let's go into there's there hasn't been too much going on since we last talked on Thursday. Uh, there's a game in indiana they started their road trip um and an ugly loss to just a really like the pacers always the pacers games like i feel like anytime the sixers go to indiana it's like my least favorite game of the year one of my least favorites like i just don't like the pacers they're not good Mm. but like the sixers are shorthanded so they didn't really like and these guys are playing 40 minutes a night trying to you know pick up the slack of the guys that aren't there so they lose again after a pretty good a very good tobias game uh, just, just tell me if you had any takeaways uh, from Saturday night's loss in Indiana.
1: Yeah, great Tobias game. He looked awesome. He ended with 32 points, 11 rebounds, three assists. Uh, the Sixers definitely missed Embiid in this one. When we think about the the setup of Sabonis and Turner, one of the things that the Sixers always bank on when they're playing the Pacers is getting Turner in foul trouble and just being the physically demanding. And Drummond just wasn't quite as impactful in that regard. Uh, I, I think we're beginning to see a little bit of the – too much drumming isn't always a great thing. And I think that while he is definitely more of an innings eater, as far as what his body can take, like, I don't think he, I think he's better served in a, a change of pace off the bench role at this, at this point in what he has. And I uh, I mean, 16 points i mean i'm sorry 11 points 16 rebounds for him so not best statistically but not a lot value there from him uh another good maxi game so that was another huge takeaway 24 points there he's been absurdly hot and it's it's been awesome to just watch what he's done so i guess those are my biggest three things
0: yeah man maxi has been has been great and like again we've talked about this i feel like we gush over him every time that we talk but like it's really hard to not at this point. Yeah, like, he's just been so incredible, and I was I wrote an article about him on uh, on yesterday, and man, like he's had over the last four like this last week, twenty six points per game. I mean, I was playing like almost forty minutes a night, which is insane. But you know, on like three and a half attempts from three, he's shooting fifty percent. He's shooting like ninety three percent from the line over the last like five games. Like he's just doing everything that we were like, okay, he's not that great at this yet. Uh, he's just improved on so much and uh there's still some like growing pains at times like you see that there's a little bit of hesitancy he's a lot better shooting the three off the dribble uh than like the catch and shoot unless he's like really going into it um but when you let him loose he's just a really fun player to watch and Tobias had an incredibly efficient good night and like a quiet like I didn't get to watch the full game I missed a little bit of the first half but I know he had a big first half and it took over early. I'm just they
1: wouldn't have they wouldn't have been in the game remotely if he wasn't there early on, as he pretty much scored everything for him in the first even half first half of the game, really.
0: Which is really nice to see him get back, like his footing underneath him again. Uh, because there was like a little bit of a misstep at the early on um with his first game back. But man, I just I really need to see this team full of strength again. Like they're really uh going into this late the late nights. We're getting on the road trip. Like they don't play till 10 tonight, the they don't play till 10.30 on Thursday. It's going to be one of those weeks and they go into next week and they and they play late again so i just hoping for Embiid and and matisse to get and dg to get back soon um because it's been like kind of painful to see them go through this stretch like where they were in a lot of games they, they played a lot of the games especially early on in this stretch like really tough um but they're just not talented enough or deep enough without those guys
1: yeah, and one more thing on Drummond—he shot four of twelve from the field and didn't really step outside the paint. Uh, he's the sixth percentile among centers for finishing around the rim and all stuff that is hard to do and just honestly impressively bad with that. But uh, <laughs> uh, somehow, I don't even know my full like feeling on Drummond. Is like when you watch him, like he's not particularly bad. He's definitely not stand out good either. But we we are getting the full Drummond experience, and while we have harped on like the how great Drummond has been over Dwight Howard and with that. I would also like to think back to just at this time last year, how we were hyping up how great Dwight Howard is for this team and that. So I think I'm pressing a little bit of the relax button on the the Drummond hype. And I'm still I'm still happy with what he's done and he's been fine and moving up in the starting role. But I'm looking forward to him coming back into as a change of pace guy.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think that was bound to happen though, like with Embiid missing as much time as he oh, has. Yeah. And like, we expected the uh, the occasional Drummond start. And in the occasional Drummond starts, it feels like it's going to be refreshing and like, okay, we have a decent backup uh, and a guy that can step in. But getting a full dose of Andre Drummond is like, from this, so we've always known this, from the full dose of, of Andre Drummond is sometimes a little bit too much. And uh, understandably so, and we're just like really, really need Embiid back, and we were just talking about it before we started recording, so they go on a road trip here, Um, Jazz tonight, Nuggets on Thursday, then they play the Blazers, Kings, Warriors to close it out, and from what we're looking at now, Embiid tested positive for COVID on the 8th of November, you said, so yeah. 10 days from then would be Thursday, so there's some potential for him to play on Thursday, And but most likely, I feel like he'll, he'll come back against the Trail Blazers, because uh, there was some complications, apparently, with with the COVID or just him dealing with the symptoms pretty heavily. But they embark on this road trip now. And there's, I mean, obviously more drama again coming from this side of the media. And I don't even know what to make of this anymore. But the Sixers ended up finding Ben Simmons again for not coming on this road trip. He's been seen doing individual workouts at St. Joe's. And you you tweeted about that today. So just give me an update on what you're seeing from from Ben and the Sixers team right now
1: yeah so there's a couple things on this the so the root of the the finding and why it's back in place is ben has not re- not given the sixers any sort of documentation for the help that he's been given and that's the root of maury's continued finding is that just if this was any type of physical injury like we would be checking with your physical therapist and checking in with this and that by your contract if you still want to get paid you're still a part of the sixers and we just need that documentation he has refused to go under Sixers, uh, their mental health specialist and wants to do his own, which he got through the players association, which is valid. But if you want to do that, you have to provide documentation and he's yet to do that. So I think it's fair game for the Sixers to find him. And once again, like it sucks, but this is also like, as much as it's like a mental health first, like this also, I look at is like a, it's so easy to just forward a paper, forward an email along. And I think there is like an active kind of communication barrier in why this isn't progressing, so that's the biggest thing. He missed missed the road trip, didn't travel the team. He's going to be fined $2.3 million, assuming that he doesn't show up to any of these six games. Uh, so another chunk of the paycheck there. He's working out at St. Joe's, uh, apparently pulling up in his Rolls Royce parked in student parking. Uh, so, you know, super low profile, uh, working out behind closed doors. Nobody's really got a glimpse of it other than in and out of the gyms and I don't really know. It it definitely seems like the paths are going on two opposite directions, and I don't see them ever fully coming together, but I think the fines are going to keep coming until Simmons shows some sort of willingness to work with the team, and until that happens, I I think this is what we're going to look at.
0: Yeah, and it feels like there was like a point in time, there was like a very brief point in time where it was like, okay, it kind of looked like they were lining up together or at least be parallel again, and uh, that quickly came and went. Yeah. Uh, it did not last. That feeling did not last very long. So it's a, it's a shame that it's gotten to this point again, and, and it's a shame that we're you know halfway through November, and this is something that we were talking about in, uh, in August, September, and I mean obviously well before that, but like really getting into like oh is he or is he not going to come back and play, and like this is really still the conversation that we're having. So it definitely sucks. Um, I I would I'm trying I try to see both sides on this, um, but like you said, man, it. it, it especially from like an agent perspective from rich paul's perspective you know depending on who you're dealing with and who you're you're representing and everything don't you think it would make sense to like make sure that ben is getting like his documentation or the things that he's going through whatever like he is actually like whether he's going through therapy or whatever he's doing like wouldn't that be like a priority of yours to make sure that the team is getting that information or that team is Able to see that, so he's not getting fined more. Like, I don't really get the barrier between it,
1: you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Sixers certainly aren't blameless in this situation as a whole, but in the recent events, they really have done nothing wrong. And I do have a legitimate issue with the way that Rich Paul is like twisting things. Like, we didn't talk about the article that he just posted the other day, and which was through Shams' ear. Shams posted it, but it's pretty much Rich Paul's words, and the the one excerpt from it here. And this is a quote directly from Rich Paul is, quote, I truly believe the fines, the targeting, the negative publicity shine on the issue. That's very unnecessary and has furthered the mental health issues for Ben. Either you help Ben or come out and say he's lying. Which one is it? And to me, like, I understand. That's you, a I,
0: weird thing to say.
1: Right. I understand you have Ben's best interest in mind that you're just doing, trying to do whatever to get him out of Philadelphia. You're driving such an unnecessary rock here, and like it's tough for the Sixers. The Sixers' their biggest request here is just show me the documentation that you are getting this help and improve it. And that's such a simple task. And until that happens, like I really feel like you have no bone to pick, Rich Paul.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, and also at the end of the day, I feel like if this was you know the pub, the public part of all this was going to be, um. What drove it past the limit of like him actually dealing with all this stuff? Like and again, there's no doubt in my mind that there is you know some some things going on like there and for the right reasons and like understandably so. But like if the publicity was what was really making everything worse, like they have done the worst job imaginable in terms of keeping this private. Like they, I feel like if there was some like if they came in and were like, hey, uh, he's been going through a lot obviously a lot happened and you know he needs some time he needs 20 games he needs 30 games he needs uh you know this this part of the season you know what i mean like if if they came in and just said something like that and we're like we just need to keep this private tell people you know here's what's going on he is you know gonna keep to himself i feel like that would have just been a much more viable and like reasonable option for both sides and instead it's become this like pissing contest where you know you know they're gonna say you guys should call him out, and then they're just gonna make a shitstorm over the fact that the Sixers are trying to plead that Simmons isn't you know cooperating or or potentially say that he's lying, and then on the other side like Rich, uh, the Sixers are like, "Well, you aren't helping us. You aren't helping us help you at all." So yeah. it's just like this. It's just the worst situation ever.
1: And well, when we think back to just the origin of fine, like what has Ben Simmons been fined for? He was fined for not showing up. So Rich Paul is saying how the fines are making things worse. What has he been fined for? He's been fined for not showing up to camp in the first part. He's been fined for getting kicked out of practice. He's been fined for not going on road trips and not pre- not playing, not practicing, and not showing the documentation that should be provided if he wants to be away from the team. So this is like you brought these fines upon yourself. Is like the biggest thing. Like. And from the start, this has been what frustrated me the most about this is like, if he just shows up and plays basketball, so much of this disappears. And I, I understand there still would have been like, it wouldn't have been a, a flawless fit back into the Sixers and fit back into Philadelphia, but this stuff would have probably gone away by now if he just put his head down and gone to work. And instead it continues to drag on, continues to become not a bigger deal. Cause I think it's pretty much capped out and what it can be as far as nationally and all that, but. Like it, So much of this has been avoidable and Ben Simmons has brought it upon himself that you can't play both sides and the playing the tough guy. I don't care if I get fined. I don't care about the consequences. And then say that the consequences are the issue for what's making your mental health work worse. And like, I don't want to judge what he's going on mentally because on a human being standpoint, like he's certainly been through stuff that like none of us can imagine when we think about just scrolling right. through social media, seeing the stuff that every day I posted the the video at St. Joe's and I got people quote tweeting and saying how they're pulling up to jump him and stuff like that is stuff that like sucks. And I can't imagine wrapping my mind around, but at the same time, it's like you're in control of your actions for what you do as a professional. And if you just show up and do your job, so many of these like minor details, like they just go away. It just, everything will become easier.
0: Yeah. Or at least like just trying to, uh, like just letting the sixers help or like trying to work something out and you know it is hard to say like who knows what's going on behind closed doors but it just seems like both of them are very strong headed and very you know set in their ways and as a player he just can't you just can't can't be at this point because you're not getting yourself anywhere and the team's not getting themselves anywhere and i don't know man it's it seems like they're destined for uh, I mean, it's been an ugly, you know, this is like, like the most toxic relationship I've ever seen in my life. um, And it's only gotten like worse, like you said, but it, it, like, it can't get, it's gotten to the point, like uh, the point of no return at this point yeah. too, because like there, how was he ever going to come back? Uh, how was he going to come back in August? Like, let alone, you know, come back and now after all of this. So what do you think? I don't know, the, man,
1: James, what do you think happens if he's here past the deadline?
0: Like, you mean he's not playing and he's he's still here?
1: The trade deadline comes and goes and Ben Simmons is not traded.
0: I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, I I don't know. Because he's not going to play, right? Like, we're assuming he's not going to play for the Sixers ever again.
1: I would assume that. But I also think, like, uh, Ben Simmons has plenty of money, but nobody's equipped to just be taking $2 million fines, $8 million fines. Like... This guy has 35 million dollars on the books that I'm sure he wants and I'm sure he want, like wants it as soon as possible. And again, playing solves that. So if there there is a part of me that I think Mori is willing to push that if like it gets to that point and if there's still no value. Now, in contrast, I personally feel like this team so far this year has proven enough and proven to be competitors enough that we owe it to them to get whatever we can at the deadline and make a a run for it this year. I don't don't think we're far off enough that it's worth like scrapping the season because as it is, this team is fine, pretty good. Like we're not a championship contending team. We're missing the guy that's been relied on as our second best player for several years now. It's just simply not there and we've had nobody to replace him. So we're not going to be as good as the the Sixers are not going to be as good as they were last year or in previous years simply because of that. But if we do get, like, a trade piece, and I'm not, I mean, again, the market feels like it changes every day for who's available, who's not, who, what's true, what's not. But, like, if there is some sort of legitimate piece there or any uh, anything, like, I think it's worth pulling the trigger and giving this team a chance to compete this year.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. And, like, honestly, I would get, I would be more worried once, like, January hits. Like, I feel like, or I, I also trust Mori, but in the way that I feel like people are gonna see, teams are gonna see the trade deadline coming around and being like, the Sixers are really gonna get want to get this guy off the hook. Like they're really want to gonna move Ben here. Um, so I honestly think that the goal is probably if they're gonna move him to move him before, you know, the middle of February. Considering that, like I feel like the deals or who's available or um, the value of that deal might go down because it is the trade deadline and, and teams are thinking that the Sixers probably want to get this situation over with and give their team a chance to, you know, actually succeed down the road. So, I mean, I think they're, this is at least going to go on into, like, a month from now, maybe a month from now, early mm-hmm. December. Um, we've talked about that timeline a little bit before. So, I don't know, man. It's just, uh, I was, like, there was a really good point in time where I was like, I don't really care about Ben anymore. This team's really fun. And then, like, they lost four straight, and it's like, everything sucks right now so it's time to start over like talking about Ben again
1: yeah I mean Joel Embiid coming back will solve a lot and I mean it's like the thing I will say about Embiid and like the biggest takeaway for so far this year is he just can't sit enough like when he's on the court er every night which he's done everything possible to do on his end this year they're still contending team they're still a threat to win every single night now that he's been out with COVID, which is for the most part out of his control, and like you can't blame him for it, certainly, is like we see the team with, and, and again, it wasn't just MB. Like this is losing without Tobias Harris, without Matisse, without Danny Green, without Isaiah Joe. There's been a lot of pieces here lost. So I'm not like I don't want to make these past what is it five straight losses now, like Four, four? four I think. Okay, like I don't want to make it out to more than it is. Like I still have faith in the team. There is one, two. Three four, yeah, four here, right? So, like, this team I still have trust in when everybody's back that we can compete. And, like, I, I, I don't want to make just as I don't want to make out more of the without Ben Simmons than it is. I it's super important to note that Joel Embiid's not here. And once he's back on his team, like, we're a threat to win every night once again,
0: yeah, man. And also, like, I like realistically, I think if you even have just Matisse against the Knicks and the Bucks. Uh, or even the Raptors. Like I think if you have Matisse in those games, you win. Like you did not mm-hmm. even need. Like obviously you want to have Joel, but like I think even if just Matisse is back in the lineup for two or three of those games, like you still come away with a couple uh, wins during that stretch. It's just like there's too many guys, and then on top of that, like they kind of got their ass beat in Indiana, but like everyone but Tobias had been playing 40 minutes a night for the last week. Like there, you if you think Andre Drummond's legs aren't tired, if you think. George yeah, and he looked tired. Aren't feeling it. Yeah, like those guys do and like Furcon. Furcon Corkmaster has been terrible. And why? Like you're telling me that doesn't have to do with the fact that play 42 minutes a night for that week, like and he, and now his jumpers kind of like looks short and you know, kind of just like throwing the ball at the rim. Like there's a reason for that. It's not just because like he had a bad night, which he does have sometimes, but like the fact that he has to play forty minutes for you know four, five, six games in a row. And not really have any relief is you know it definitely means something so I'm, I don't I don't read into it too much because I think that like you said obviously if they have Embiid or they have Matisse and Isaiah Joe and Danny Green and all these guys back it makes a massive difference and they look like an entirely different team and you know they even held their own without those guys so uh, yeah I'm definitely not worried
1: yeah no 100 percent and uh rest up Danny Green I would rest him for a while now you don't like the hamstrings to be lingering like that and especially at a at his seasoned age so let him <laughs> yeah, rock for a while let's keep the young guys rotate, rotating uh as long as everybody's back and healthy and have DG for playoff time if we need him
0: yeah. Yeah, let me ask you a question because I'm I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Um with like obviously with the emergence of Tyrese and and what he's been able to do and like what he's consistently been able to do because we fell in love with the potential and like the flashes last year and then even through the first handful of games this year we're like okay, he you know, by the end of the year he's going to be awesome and I and mean, he had one game last year uh the, the the Nuggets game where it was like, "Oh shit, like he can really like he can really hoop." And now it's yeah. been every single game where he's been the top priority offensively and even on Saturday against Indiana when he was the second, like second, what did he score? 24, like.
1: 24, yeah. if he, he
0: And he, he will do that. Like, he will continue to do that. I have no doubt in my mind about it. Like he's going to continue scoring because that's what he does and he attacks when he needs to. When you're looking at this team, you know, Seth is great. Maxie is great. Tobias is very good. And then Embiid is Embiid. I think the biggest thing you need to change is Danny Green, right? So like if you're looking at who maybe a trade partner or whatever it is, like are you looking more for a wing than you are for a guard um or a guy that can replace Danny Green in this lineup?
1: I mean, my so I still have not held out hope that the, the Sixers what I think they're lacking in like a, a true and I mean I think it's pretty clear what they're lacking in like a true contending spirit is just like that top level talent so i'm still willing to throw the house at whatever it takes to get somebody to pair with joel Embiid. bead and i'm talking the dame lillard's the maybe jalen brown the bradley Beal. that stratosphere of player is kind of what like i still think we need to become a championship and it can be done if we fully cater to Embiid as well and like what we look at kind of the bucks model with how they've built around Giannis with that kind of thing uh as far as danny green i think danny green was very much a ben simmons addition is that just stand out on the wing, hit the three when it's got to you, play a little defense, do nothing more. Is that's what he's best at. And I think Danny Green lately has just been doing too much. Danny Green is great at just being Danny Green. Just being he's been the prototypical three and D guy his entire career. Like literally, when you think of a three and D guy, it is Danny Green. And he's been trying to put the ball on the floor, dribble, pass the ball, do all that. Just stand in the corner and shoot. And that's what you do. And I think when he gets back to that when we have full bodies and like all this, like I, I I'm not as worried about him long-term. I think like he's a fine player to have in a playoff rotation. Uh, as far as what I'm approaching, I still, I, I so for, as far as Maxi goes, I think there is growth to do in both areas, but improvements needed in both areas too. Like, I think he's shown a lot on both ends. He's still not quite good enough to be a, a grade a distributor. If we do add a wing, I would prefer to add like a veteran point guard, kind of like the george george hill mold but hopefully somebody that actually kind of sticks this time and is effective uh but i do think like a a wing creator would probably be the best case scenario for a guy that becomes available
0: yeah and i'm just like i'm just trying to think like when i look at this team and what they're weak like i i have a ton of respect for for dg and what he does and what he brings to the game because i think a lot of these things that he does do goes a little bit under the radar with you know the way that this team is perceived and just him in general i think he's been incredibly important to three championship teams um and sometimes doesn't get enough credit for it but like he is old like it's really evident that he is is getting up there in age it's really evident that the things are coming around like he's he's a 35 year old and he's playing the three essentially at this point now and it's like I don't know. When I look at a championship team, I don't see him as your starting small forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like that I, I changes with, with that. like that probably ends up changing depending on, you know, what like what ends up happening with Simmons. And he wouldn't be playing the three if Simmons was here. Like he'd be technically playing the two offensively, uh, or you know, whatever. It's yeah. hard to There's no there's such no thing. But like, there's no position I, anymore. <laughs> I'm even thinking about like I'm I'm genuinely thinking about this because I had this conversation. And I've never really been like a huge buddy healed guy. And like this is not to like be like, oh, the Sixers need Buddy Healed. But that man is shooting 10 threes per game and shooting 41% and 28 minutes a game. Like, if someone on our on the Sixers were doing that, we would be losing our minds. Yeah. Like, think about what we would be saying about a player that was averaging 18 points per game, making four out of every 10 threes that he takes every single night. Like we would be losing it. And I just like. I don't know. He he's there's a lot of guys out there that do things like on a much higher efficiency and a much better manner than than Danny Green does and I just think like as much as I liked him coming back especially on a team friendly deal I thought he might get a little bit more. Like sometimes he just doesn't do enough for me. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Buddy Hield thing, I was a huge pro Buddy Hield guy, throwback to the lockdown time. And then also this offseason, I think the Lakers had a major miss electing to get Russell Westbrook over Buddy Heald and from a roster construction standpoint. It's just that would have been a much better fit if you're really tr- truly trying to capitalize. And we'll see how that turns out. But uh, on the Sixers end, I think best case scenario, Green as a starter is kind of a, a courtesy starter. It's a you can go in with the starters, lead off the game, maybe play some crunch time, but you're not logging the bulk of the minutes. And uh, I mean, that's kind of been his role here all last year too. Like there were many games early in the year last year where he was playing like 10, 15 minutes a game and just kind of letting the young guys go. Uh, I think that's what would happen in playoffs. If that happened now, if that happens down the stretch, if he still is a roster, he's not meant to be shouldering heavy, heavy minutes at this stage in his career. And I mean, I think even from last year, he's lost a little more of a step. And I mean, some of it's the hamstring, him running with a little bit of hamstring, him running in general is hilarious. And then him with the hamstring injury just did not look remotely coordinated out there. So get him healthy. I'm not I'm okay if Danny Green is here. I'm not heartbroken if he's lost, but I do think he'll be fine in playoffs.
0: Yeah. And I'm not I'm not saying like, oh, we need to move him. Oh, he needs to go. But I just think when I think about a championship roster like. I don't see a player that's so limited uh, in what they do starting the way that Danny green does. And he's just like, to me, he's been very limited. And again, like that is his role. And it makes a little bit more sense when Simmons is around, uh, like you said, but I was just thinking, kind of just thinking out loud, just yeah. No, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about it.
1: I mean, I think from the Sixers' perspective, the hope was with the Danny green, that Matisse would be ready to step into that role. Honestly, probably by this year was the hope. And that hasn't quite happened with just the offensive development in Matisse. And I mean, Matisse can be Danny Green on steroids if he gets good at it, which is when you think about the defensive instincts, what he can bring early on in his career, Danny Green was an excellent defender. And uh, yeah. obviously losing losing a few steps has mattered greatly in a guy that's primarily a perimeter defender. His hands are still excellent with getting steals, poking the ball out. There was a couple in the post that he's been dropped down and just swooped around and poked out this season. Like he's not a zero outside of just shooting it's just i do think they're in need of the the sh- the shots that he throws up and like matisse doesn't quite provide that i think if matisse was ready that this would be his spot 100 percent.
0: yeah yeah and i can definitely see that and hopefully i mean i hope that that ends up happening sooner rather than later and it really felt like he matisse was making strides in the right direction uh early on the season before he went out with covid because that mm-hmm. was just like you know, that that took a put a wrench in everyone's plans. But it'll definitely be interesting to see how that goes the rest of the this year, you know, depending on ever how everything goes at Ben. But then also just like in general, I feel like they could make a switch like that. I also feel like Doc's kind of stubborn and like won't won't make a switch unless he like literally has to. Uh like the situation he's been put into now. But kind of aside from the point, I just wanted to throw that out there. But the Sixers embark on the you know, they went they left for Indiana on Saturday now they're in utah tonight then they're in denver then they're in portland Then they're in sacramento and then they're in san francisco after that so they're on a little bit of a difficult stretch here the jazz are a good team the nuggets are a good team trailblazers are not a good team (laughs) the kings are terrible and the warriors are playing like the best team in the league without clay thompson so let's run through this uh you know there's it's hard to tell because there's potential for mb to return during this trip i honestly wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't come back until later um yeah. but just walk me through this what do you see as the results for these games
1: yeah not not a great stretch of games for the six years looking ahead yeah. i mean the jazz i, I would love a little drum and getting into it with gobert and making his his i guess his bigness useful and Making something happen there. I don't think the Jazz are a great team. I think the Sixers have a chance tonight. Maybe a a George Niang revenge game would be nice, uh, but I think more than likely they probably lose this one. The Nuggets, uh, uh, if they get Embiid back, I, I think they probably lose this one. I think they're losing this one too. Jokic has been incredible so far this year, and minus the reckless attack on uh, Marcus Morris, but other than that, he's been great. <laughs> Ah, uh, Trailblazers. That's a shot to niche a win. I also think those guys are due to break out. Like they're not as bad of a team as they have been playing so far this year. So I don't look at that as like an easy game either. Uh, the Kings game, they should win. That's probably the only one I will say is like should be win. But also like, De'Aaron Fox has been terrible so far this year, and I think he's due to snap out of that too. There's been some whispers of the him and Halliburton not working together. Which if either one of those needs to be squeezed out, give Daryl Murray a phone call. But I do think they're a better team than they're showing to than warriors. So I guess my formal prediction, I'm going one and four in here, which I don't feel great about, but that's probably how I see it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it depends if you get in beat back. I think you definitely have a chance the rest of the way out.
1: Two and three Um, is probably a win on the, on the road trip.
0: Yeah. And the warriors are really incredible. Honestly, um, Steph is just awesome to watch. He's been great. Uh, i hate utah yeah i've really eased up on a lot of my like my hatred for teams and players over the years i've definitely like i used to be just like a fireball with that i was like hate everyone uh but the one hate that's never faded is is the utah jazz so it's always terrible to watch them in utah because it's late at night i feel like they never win um and yeah tonight will probably be a loss denver again difficult game Trailblazers, they played them earlier this year. Didn't Bede play in that game?
1: Um, I'm look. trying to remember if he did. I believe he did. I'm pretty sure he did. Trailblazer. I'm pretty sure he did. He... No, he did not. That was Furcon, Danny Green, Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, and Maxi got the nod in that one. Niang had 21 oh. off the bench.
0: So I so there you go. You still have a chance, you know, in Portland for that game. So I think if you are looking at wins in this, it is the the Blazers and the Kings. Uh dude, so let's let's talk about Darren Fox a little bit because there's been a lot of talk about that recently. Yeah. I think like you said, two and three is a win on this road trip, uh, especially if M B doesn't get back until later. Um but there are two winnable games in this stretch. Aside from that, uh this can be like our last point because we have uh, a lot more to talk about tomorrow and Thursday. So the, mm-hmm. the Kings are, I mean, the Kings are just prepared a nightmare for themselves. I feel like they just are never ever on the same page between their front office and their coaching staff and their players. Uh, they literally just have Marvin Bagley in jail, which is like a miserable thing. I think I, I, I really hate that for him and the, and for them, but now De'Aaron Fox is struggling and what he's at like, he went from like 25 points per game down to like 19 and a half. Uh, his field goal percentage has been way down. His three percentage has been like, it was never great, but he got it up to like 33 last year and then it's back down to like 24. So not great for him. Uh Is there like, do you see any way that he's like, you know, ready to move on or the Kings are ready to move on depending on how they see the fit between him and Halliburton?
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe. He's been, like, bad shooting. Like, he's shooting 41.1% from the field on 18.1 attempts, 23.1% from three on 4.6 attempts, which is also a lower attempt from last year. He's going down from 5.5. I mean, the pros to, like, a Fox deal, it's fully embracing Tyrese Maxey, I feel like. I feel like Fox and Maxey as a backcourt just like you're really pushing your thunder and lightning is your thunder with Joel Embiid in the half court and your lightning is Fox and Maxie and fast break and just wrecking havoc basically. And which I could see working. I don't mind that with Tobias as a nice settler and whatever you want to throw in as the third, maybe set. I don't like Seth Fox and Maxi cause it's just too small there. So maybe Matisse, I don't know that it's, it's not a seamless fit, but it's something to play around with. Uh, I could see the King starting to look into moving on. I think there's, if if they decide that Halliburton is kind of more of an identity guy, then like, I don't think him and Fox are a seamless fit either. Either I don't think they're like awful together, but I I think it's workable but not ideal. So if they do see something in a, a bigger market, I don't think Ben Simmons is that guy either. Uh, ben Simmons is honestly in a lot of ways like a, a a bigger De'Aaron Fox, who he does more defensively, but Fox does a lot more offensively. So I don't think there's enough smoke to call it fire there, but who knows.
0: Yeah, it will definitely be, I mean, just another storyline kind of to follow along. I could see them being part of, like, a three-team trade, uh, yeah, whether that absolutely. is with the Sixers or not. Like, I could see there being some movement uh, on their front, depending on, I mean, again, it's still super early. Like, I feel like the NBA is classic, and NBA fans and media are classic for uh, overreacting this this early on, whether they're, like, 15 100%. games in. So, yeah, of course, it's going to be, like, oh, Darren Fox is playing bad. Time to move on. Uh, Damian Lillard's playing bad. He's not good anymore. All these things. Everything's gonna kind of go back down to the mean.
1: I would like to go on record is Marvin Bagley is is not a good basketball player. And uh, as yeah, man, but he's player, not
0: even getting a shot there.
1: Yeah. He also they told him to check in the other game, and he said no. So I oh, partially wow. feel bad for him. Partially is I, this is another mess situation. But there should be no team looking to build a trade around getting Marvin Bagley at this point.
0: No, but like the only thing, the last thing I saw was um, they were getting they got blown out by like thirty, and like he was a DMP coach's decision. And it's like you can't even get a you can't even let him get yeah. in for like some this. I don't remember play minutes. I don't know.
1: I don't remember what game it was. That may have been the game where they said to go in, Maybe. and Bagley said nah. <laughs>
0: yeah i mean they've been talking about it. it's been a story for a while It's like just move on from a man it's like it's like the same thing with like kevin porter jr when like that whole thing in cleveland it was like man just move on just yeah and they 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 trade him for a second round pick and it's like if it's probably like the second round picks probably better than the headache that was going to be caused within the locker room there so you know sometimes it's better just like or just cut him man if you're not going to trade him but you're never going to play him just cut him like a lot of know. people are Just saying was... the same
1: thing about the Ben Simmons situation. That would be fair.
0: Yeah, but like Ben is a three-time All Star and defensive player. Of the year. Like he, there's actually some value there. Like if you, you have a threshold of players that's like, okay, this is where you'd match the the value of Ben. And like if these players don't meet that value, you're not gonna trade them. But it's like it's Marvin Bagley, and if he's literally not playing for you, and like we said, he's not a good basketball player. Like, got him. Trade him for a second round pick, third. Like I don't. I, You know, a late first. I don't know. Do something. At least just like get it out of your hair. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how it goes though, because this this the Sixers are in a strange position. Um like you said, they're like they've been playing really well. And when they are fully healthy, they were, you know, one of the best teams in the league up to this point. But, you know, there's definitely still the uh like it's still the thought in the back of your mind, like they're not good enough to compete at a at a real level. So, you know, in my mind there is something impending it's just about like when rather than like if so i don't know i'm just like i just want them to be back healthy so i can see like again what they really have because we only got like we only got like a four game stretch of that i feel like
1: yeah i mean i'm mentally prepared to lose this this road trip already uh I generally don't I generally really don't care that much about the regular season and statistically standings wise where we really end up. Uh, There's such a drastic change in like regular season to playoff basketball that just catering toward being ready for the playoffs is the most important thing. So as much as it sucks dropping a bunch in a row, like the Sixers have bigger fish to fry and hopefully those guys are coming back soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, they're back in action tonight at 10. Tune in tomorrow, Sean. If you wanna, if you wanna preview this quick,
1: yeah, we're gonna have a uh, ask some questions about Joel Embiid's knee to Dr. Rami Hashish, and uh, get a little insight on the meniscus, the treatment of that, and just the outlook going forward. So it should be interesting. Uh, we'll have that up and ready for you guys. So yeah, excited.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's gonna be a, a fun little conversation. So uh, we'll get you guys three days in a row here. So we'll get this out tonight. Uh, before the Sixers game tonight against the Jazz. And then we'll talk to you guys again tomorrow, uh, just briefly with uh, Dr. Ashish. And then Thursday morning again, uh, we'll be back on our regularly scheduled program at 9.30 in the morning, doing our thing. So uh, if you guys want to check us out, check us out on Twitter at PickSwapPod at Sean underscore one Check me out at JSBrain17. Follow the YouTube. Get us on all your, your podcast platforms. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always, Sean. And we'll talk to you guys soon.